0: Baptism is a well-known religious practice. <clears throat> it's a well-known religious practice. It's been practiced for 2,000 years. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 12 is a kind of our story. The believers who were scattered, literally like seeds being thrown, by persecution preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Isn't that interesting? When they got persecuted for being followers of Christ, what did they do? They shouted louder. Isn't that a good word? Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. Now, remember, in in Sunday morning, we're going to see this on a map, but Samaria was a country in in between Judea, where Jerusalem was, a part of Israel, and Galilee's up here, and Samaria was in between here. And scholars don't know, was he talking about a city in Samaria, or was he talking about uh, uh, Samaria itself, or a city called Samaria? But he's in Samaria kind of the enemy of the Jewish people, and he told the people about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and to see the miraculous signs he did. Verse 7, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Verse 10, everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with this magic. With verse 12, something great happens. But now the people believe Philip's message of the good news about Jesus Christ concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Isn't that great? Baptists call, and a lot of churches call, baptism and the Lord's Supper the ordinances of the church. Uh, Ordinance literally means the orders, and we believe those are authoritative orders from God that, that we should baptize, that we should do the Lord's Supper. I heard the story of a young pastor who, who had uh, did his first baptism. He'd never done the Lord's Supper, but he was getting ready to do that in a week or two. He's excited. He's nervous. He's doing his first baptism. So he got the, the baptismal candidate in there, and he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he puts the candidate under. And then he says, now drink ye all of it as he pulls them up. He got his ordinances uh, a little confused there, didn't he? Don't. Drink the baptismal water. I've been in there many times. T- don't, don't do it. Listen, but, but baptism is a very common thing. You go to the Catholic Church, Baptist Church, Assembly of God, uh, you go to the Lutheran, you go to Episcopal, you go to non denominational church. Christian churches have an, a view and opinion on baptism. And I want to tell you that what you believe about it matters. It, it really does. Here's a question we need to answer tonight Do you have to be baptized to get to heaven? Now, Folks, the the, the beliefs matter just got ratcheted up here, didn't it? I believe it's vital, but is it essential to salvation? And let me pause and tell you, there are definitely religious groups that believe it is, that that it is essential, and my purpose tonight is not to knock or belittle uh, any other group at all. I never want to do that. I just want to try to preach to you the truth as I see it. Uh, from, From the Bible. But some groups say that you have to be baptized to be saved. Now, think with me just a second. How many of you agree that's a pretty crucial issue? You better believe it's a crucial issue. Here's what I believe the New Testament teaches is that baptism is vital. It's important, but it's not essential to salvation. Look in verse 12. The wording here. But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God. The name of Jesus Christ. As a result of believing many men and women were baptized. They believed they were saved and they were baptized. Now, the idea of, of baptismal regeneration, and that's a fancy word of saying that you have to be baptized to be saved, really did not come around in Christianity till the 2nd or 3rd century. So, in other words, for the first 100 to 150 years of Christianity, that was never even mentioned or on the plate. That's kind of interesting to me to, to know that and to understand that. And, and what happens, I think with people who would tell you you had to be baptized to be saved, is they, they take a few isolated verses and build a theology around that. Now, folks, that's always a dangerous thing to do. So we, we obviously can't touch on, uh, 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 we're going to leave out 99% of them, but I want to share with you some verses, several verses tonight. We're going to put them on the screen. You can write them down. When you look at the whole of Scripture together, I do not believe it teaches you have to be baptized to be saved. John 1, 12. In John 1, 12, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to what? Become children of God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the, the magnus opus of Christianity. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Verse 9, he says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast. Now, it's interesting, baptism is not mentioned. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, really crucial verses about being assured of your salvation. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Verse 12, it says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Now, verse 13 is the great uh, assurance passage. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Isn't it interesting in none of those verses, and again, I could give you a hundred more, that it doesn't mention being baptized? Does that matter? Now, here's another interesting uh, understanding. In Luke 19.10, I almost cut this verse out of my Bible because when I was working on my doctor's degree, this was part of my dissertation. And I love it dearly, but my professors almost made me go crazy over this. You know how you professor types are. Amen. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Listen, Jesus lists about four reasons he came to earth. One of them was I came to earth to save people. John chapter 4, we're going to be there Sunday morning, but I want you to see verse 1 and 2 of John 4, 1 and 2. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Now, folks, stay with me. If Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost and being baptized was part of being saved, don't you think Jesus would have been slamming them under left and right? Yes, sir, pastor. Yes, sir, I believe so too. And, and Paul was a tremendous evangelist and missionary. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14 through 17, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For no, now no one can say they were baptized in my name, in the name of Paul. Next verse. And oh, yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. Look at verse 17. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Now, isn't that interesting? That Paul said, listen, I didn't come to baptize. I came to evangelize and to preach and to teach. And, and am i am not trying to beat this? Well, I am trying to beat this in your head. I'm sorry. I am trying to beat this in your head. If Paul would have thought that being baptized was essential to salvation, he would have been baptizing everybody he could get near the tub. You agree with me? Baptism does not is not an essential part of salvation. Now, something else to remember for some of you good Baptist folks, baptism in and of itself is not going to save you. See, a lot of us would be just the opposite. We'd say, well, well I've been baptized. That make No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I like what the old preacher said. We can baptize you in the, the creek until the fish know you by name, and that's not going to get you to heaven. See, baptism is not essential for salvation. And it's not gonna, you're not going to get to heaven because you've been baptized. Here's the third thing. Why is baptism important? Okay. It's not a heaven or hell issue. Then does it really matter? And, and folks, listen to me. A lot of people who don't believe it's essential for salvation, no pun intended, have watered it down. <laughs> pun intended. Y'all didn't get it, though. Y'all have this thing about ice cream, aren't you? I won't let you out here till nine if y'all don't laugh a little bit with me. I heard you. (laughs) Max Licato. Do y'all know who Max Licato is? He's a prolific writer, he's the Church of Christ. Uh, pastor and Church of Christ as a whole have strongly believed for years that that you must be baptized to be saved. In the, the Baptist standard, the Texas Baptist newspaper in 2001, Lakato was interviewed. And here's what Max Lakato said about being baptized and saved. He said, baptism is not essential to salvation, but it's vital to the meaning of salvation. Now, a lot of his Church of Christ friends were not happy with that, but I couldn't agree with him anymore. It's not essential to salvation, but it's a vital, important thing. Let me give you four reasons why it's important. Baptism is a way we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It identifies us with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 12, it says, As a result, many men and women were baptized. This Greek word baptism or baptizo is a rich word. One of its meanings means to identify with someone, to identify with something. In Colossians 2:12, Colossians 2.12, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. Did you know when, when we put someone under the baptismal waters, we are symbolizing, one of the things we're symbolizing is the death of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? And the death of an old life. Now, this is a true and terrible story. In Boston, Massachusetts in 1983, Outside of Boston, they were baptizing some people in a river. And a a, a man getting baptized slipped and got away from the preacher and drowned, literally died being baptized. That's never the goal, I promise you. It's symbolic of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, when you think about that, it's important, isn't it? But not only that, but it symbolizes, too, the washing away of our sins. It symbolizes the washing away of our sins. It says many people were baptized, men and women, when they believed the message. There was a three-year-old girl who was uh, not in the nursery one Sunday, and she was with her parents, and some people were baptized. And on the way home, she kept asking them, what was going on? Why were they being baptized? And the parents tried to explain it. You know, and kids... Kids do not get literal and, and figurative. They don't separate that, you know. So they're telling, well, trying to wash away his sin. And, you know, get, it's a symbolic of washing away the sin, the beginning of new life. And so they got home, and she kept asking her dad. And, and he said, well, honey, they're, they're trying to, it's symbolic of the washing away the sin. Well, what sin? Sin's doing bad. Sin's doing bad. And the little girl hesitated. And she said, so the preacher was trying to, to make him better? And, well, you know, symbolically, yes. And, and she said, well, why didn't he just spank him? I've wanted to spank some people I've baptized before, but I never felt it was fully appropriate. Uh, Baptism symbolizes the the death of Christ, the death of an old life, the washing away of the sins, and and the beginning of a new life. W.A. Chriswell, who pastored First Baptist Dallas for like 350 years, Chriswell said in baptism, in, in, in Christian baptism done properly, you see the gospel. Isn't that great? You see, the, you see the death and burial. You see the resurrection, the, the the death of an old life, the washing away of the sins and the beginning of a new life. In baptism, you see the gospel. That's wonderful. Let me tell you a third reason that baptism matters. God says to do it. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission Therefore, go and make disciples, which is converts as well as followers, it's the same thing, of all nations, and have them sign a membership card. (laughs) I'm all for that, but it says, and to baptize them. I often tell people when we're baptizing them on Sunday, I say... One of the big reasons we do this is God says to do it. And especially with kids, I will ask them, I will say, do you ever do anything just because your parents tell you to? And sometimes you can wonder if the little kid's truly been saved by the sour look on their face. And when they say, yes, I do. (laughs) But that's true. Sometimes we ought to do what God says just because he says it. Amen? And baptism, listen, it's not an optional thing for a person following Jesus. God said to do it. But here's the fourth thing, and I think this is a biggie too. It's a public statement that you're following Jesus. I'm going to read the end of verse 12 again. As a result, many men and women were baptized. In my first church, there was a lady named Ruby Morris. Her and her husband had been missionaries in the Philippines for years. And she told me uh, an interesting baptism thing that I've never forgotten. She said when they moved to the Philippines, they started a little church. They began to win converts and to have services and to teach them. And she said that the the people, their family and friends didn't mind that at all. Okay, you know, that's nice. You're going to a little religious club and you're... You're saying you're a Christian now, and that's good, and that's nice. But she said when we would have the baptism service, we'd have to do it at a lake. And she said there might be hundreds of people gather around. And she said when we would baptize those people and put them underwater, people would begin to scream and to curse and to cuss because these, these pagan people knew something was radically happening when especially an adult would get in a tub of water in front of other people and get dumped. That's pretty radical, isn't it? It's radical We do it on Sunday. never take that for granted. That's a radical thing, and it's a public way a person says, "I'm following Jesus Christ. Baptism matters. And the meaning and the reasons that we do it, man, they matter, they matter, they matter. It shows you're on God's team. Here's a fourth question tonight. How should we baptize somebody? How should someone be baptized? There's three basic methods of baptism. You're going to be familiar with at least two of them. Sprinkling, it's called aspersion. Did you know that? Aspersion. Pouring. How many of you ever heard of pouring? Uh, It's called effusion. And then there's dunking, and it's called immersion. You you may be uh, very familiar with that one. Verse 12, it says they were baptized. The word baptized, if you're taking notes, means to submerge or to emerge. It literally means to plunge under. To plunge under or submerge. In classical Greek, remember the New Testament was written in Greek, the word baptizo was the word used of a sinking ship. When a, sh- a ship would sink, uh, it was baptizoing, it was, uh, it, it, it was going under. Uh, this is an interesting historical tidbit that, you know, that most of us know. I mean, my wife was a Catholic before she started chasing a Baptist preacher, so. She obviously had to become Baptist uh, at that point. But Catholics, we know Catholics sprinkle, and a lot of other groups sprinkle too. But the Catholic Church emerged until the 13th century. In fact, in Florence, Italy, there's an old 11th century Catholic Church that has a a small baptismal pool for babies and a big baptismal pool uh, for, for adults. Does it does it matter uh, whether a person is sprinkled or whether they are poured over or whether they are immersed? I, I think it does. Now it's not a heaven or hell issue, but I, I think that the words mean something, and I think when you think about submerging and immersing something, you're probably thinking about what? Dunking something, correct? I think when you think about what baptism means, it is identifying with the death and the resurrection. It's identifying with dying of an old way of life and beginning of a new. It's identifying with the washing away of sins. I think the mode does matter. That's why here at First Baptist that when a person wants to join our church, the first thing we ask them, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If they're not, we try to remedy that. The second is we ask them, have you been baptized as a believer? We don't... We don't believe you have to be baptized in our church or a Baptist church. But you need to have been baptized, immersed as a believer to be a a part of First Baptist. Did y'all know that? You do now. You learned something tonight, didn't you? Hopefully. Maybe not. You're still thinking about ice cream. I can tell I'm losing you quickly. Immersion seems to be the clear biblical mode. Okay? Now, here's the last question and a very important one. When should a person be baptized? When should they be baptized? A lot of ideas on this. Babies are sprinkled or uh, are, uh, they're poured over. Maybe babies at times are immersed. I think in the New Testament, you know, now folks, this is real important. The only place people are baptized is after they are saved. Again, I, I don't want to beat the horse too bad, but I want to read that verse 12 one more time for you. But now the people believe Philip's message. They believe the message Of the good news concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result of this, many men and women were baptized. Now, if you've been sprinkled or you know someone who has, I'm not I am not criticizing or knocking that at all. But in the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, 27 books, there is no record ever of a baby being sprinkled or baptized. Did you know that? Well, what about circumcision? That is not baptism. You men agree? <laughs> I mean, it's not. Well, the Jewish people took their baby on the, you know, and they dedicated that. That's, that's not Christian baptism, okay? So the New Testament would say you should be baptized after you are what? After you are saved. I, I'll give you a Baptist example. For, for my life, I was baptized at 9. I got saved at 19. I was baptized again, well, you got baptized twice you don 't need to be baptized twice. I got baptized once. I got wet the first time uh, th- This is a story I, I tell you my this my beliefs and I think biblical beliefs come through here hopefully uh, in my my first church, I had a wonderful uh, friend and church member named Chuck Lynn, and Chuck. Joined our church in like April of 1988, and I had talked to him, and he felt good about that he was a Christian. He had been sprinkled as a baby, but he'd never been baptized, so I baptized Chuck that spring. Well, that December one afternoon, he came to my house and, and uh, knocked on the door. as a frantic as a Sunday afternoon, and he said, Chris, I don't think I'm saved. And we began to talk, and, and as we talked, there had been someone killed at his workplace that week, and he was, you know, he was thinking about eternity. And Chuck and I prayed, and he gave his life to Christ, and I baptized him the next week. And some people were going, wait a second. You, mean, you baptized him in April and December? I absolutely did, because in April he got wet. He got saved, and I baptized him to show that he was a follower of Christ in December. Does that make sense? See, a lot of people get nervous about Why do you get nervous about that? Now, if we're baptizing the same person ten times a year something's wrong with me and them. Would you agree? You have nothing wrong with saying something's wrong with me, I'm sure. But we're not going to do that. But baptism biblically should happen after a person gives their life to Christ. Now, again, you may say, why does all this matter? Well, it does matter a lot. It matters a lot. Have you ever heard of the, the term Anabaptist? Not anti, but Anna, A-N-A, Baptist. It, it means rebaptizer. baptizer what Anna means. And in the 1500s, a group of people, as they began to read the Bible, believed that the Bible didn't teach infants' baptism. It didn't teach sprinkling. It teached believers' baptism. Our Baptist roots come from the Anabaptist, And we have forefathers in Europe in the 1500s and 1600s who were literally tortured and killed because they would not give up this belief. Is it worth dying for? I'll let you decide that, but I will tell you this. It's worth taking a stand for. And when something is a command of God, it symbolizes the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and a new life. You know what? It matters, doesn't it? It matters. So here's what I want to ask you tonight. If you're here this evening, and you've never given your life to Christ. It, it really doesn't matter if you've been sprinkled or baptized 15 times. You need to be saved. And then we will baptize you. Come in the moment when we give the invitation or catch me after church. And we will, we will settle that this evening for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, you know what, I know I'm saved. But I need to be baptized as a follower of Christ. I, that was me for a little while. You come tonight, talk to me after church. We'll seal that deal. We'll take care of that. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. You can do that after church, or you can do that when we stand. But let's stand. And as God.